above the mean and now i'm two times right. standard deviation above the mean so you That's- went from basically 95 percentile to 90 98 percentile to 95 percentile. right I, that's what i'm saying it doesn't mean a whole lot percentile right, right. 99 to 99.7 90. to 95 percentile right That's significant it's, no what was dr einstein's well, you yourself sound a lot dumber than you are right you said you went down one standard deviation. Yeah. Well, in many I mean, ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least two that I can think You're of. You're still at 95%. What, what, was, what was Einstein? Like uh, 168, Smart. 170? It's a stupid question. IQ is dumb. We shouldn't be talking about it. Let's move on. Next topic. It's racist. Yeah, I mean, did, did Einstein really take an IQ test? No. I guarantee he did not. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he, but he's definitely a Mensa member. So. What was his astrological sign? Horny. Mm. For real. Did you know Einstein had sex with his cousin? I think married his cousin, yeah. Fucked, man. His double cousin. Double cousin? His double cousin? Cousin on both sides. Double the fuck. Oh, what? my God. <laughs> yeah. How bad? Uh, that is some shtetl shit. Wait, I, third I, cousin, need a pic- I need a diagram. I don't understand. It's, like, <laughs> it's cool as long as you give a goat to the rabbi. Right, like, exactly. Just one? Just one. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. Thank you. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. What's up? The Honorable Sam Lazarus. Woo! And Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Don't go overboard, Sam. Oh, sorry. And today we're talking about Westworld, 1973. Michael Crichton. Nice. Yeah, Michael Crichton directed it, right? Yeah, this is... And wrote it. Wrote and directed. What else has he directed? Uh, nothing. Caligula. Wait, did he actually direct Caligula? No. Oh. That sounds made up, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. This <laughs> is this is the only movie that he directed. This also was a movie that he didn't write a novel for beforehand. It just right. was like an original script. And I don't know, robots, theme parks. Can we just start by saying that I think that the adaptation of this or the fact that it got adapted into a show is kind of perfect. This is like the exact kind of property that should be adapted and remade into a modern mm-hmm. thing because it's oh, like absolutely. rich in ideas, completely stupid and totally poorly executed in the seventies. I mean, there's some worthwhile shit in there to talk about most notably Yul Brenner's contact lenses, but I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah. That about summed it up. Yeah. I thought, I think- I thought it was pretty poorly um, structured uh, though, maybe well executed. I agree with Asher that it's 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 totally a great font of ideas. Like, there's so many questions that you have watching this movie. Like, or at least like there's things yeah. that you could imagine about this world that it does really ask to be expanded. And I guess we'll have a discussion yeah. if they did that successfully in the show or not. I think the things that come to mind that the show added were not good. You know, like the whole thing with the maze or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so okay. I mean, like, and the. And the Timelines, the different timelines that were happening at the same time. I like I like that as a storytelling 
uh, device. Yeah, I feel like that was pretty clear that I didn't want to talk about this. Yeah, I, I think I think we should put a pin in talking about the HBO show. And for listeners who haven't seen the HBO show, it's kind of interesting. It's certainly like... Wait, are we still talking about it? <laughs> no, we're, put, a, we've got a, put a dick in it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I liked how... Um, <laughs> If you like, want to hear about this, tweet at Sam and he'll respond <laughs> to you truculently. Likely. Sam Truculent Lazarus. How'd you know my middle name? One day, one day younger than me. I think oh, it's two. Also directed the Great Train Robbery. Oh yeah, and Coma. <laughs> Coma sound like movies. I don't <laughs> I those think sound, those sound like Troy McClure movies. I was about to say the Coma. Robbery starring Troy McClure. <laughs> Coma. Dial C for Coma. I liked how this movie, a lot like Logan's Run, but maybe even more so, these are 70s sci-fi movies, and you, you contrast them with Star Wars, which the more sci-fi I watch, the more Star Wars and Alien are like the break, you know? Like, this is like science fiction, and it's a 70s movie, but it fails to imagine a future that is in any way different than 1972. It's like, <laughs> however yeah. many years in the future, we're still listening to Deep Purple. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, totally. yeah, there's a hover car, but it looks like a, a fucking Chevy Nova. You know, it's really unbelievable. It's got a chain link and steering wheel. It's like the coolest guys still have uh, mutton chops. Mutton chops and mustaches. Mustaches. Yeah. And, like, all the beautiful women have, like, super feathered Farrah Fawcett hair. And conical like, boobs. And conical boobs. And I think it's just amazing how, like, when they're changing into, like, their Western year, no one who's ever seen a photo of what the Old West looked like would be like, oh, that's a convincing cowboy outfit. We're fucking polyester. Yeah. Wearing fucking bell bottoms. It's like that's not yeah. what they dressed like back then, and you have to know that. <laughs> like, but Raph, I mean, isn't that true of like basically all sci-fi? Like even Star Trek. If you watch the early show, you know they're wearing '60s outfits, and if you watch the show now, they're wearing like tights as pants. You know, this is what makes Star Wars and Aliens so revolutionary right is that they both actually envision a real lived-in future where people actually look somewhat different from how we're all looking maybe, now i mean one could argue Star that like, not so much alien right like okay maybe the business suits and aliens aliens are like trying to think what business attire would be like in 200 years but it's no, still like pretty 80s -y. Right. No, I mean like the art direction on the ships, the art, basically, you know, the sets, the world, right? Not just how okay. the people dress. I mean, sure, that's part of it. But like, I don't know. I, I'm with you on this, Raph, that like this movie and Logan's Run, to some extent you see it in like Death Race 2000 as well, <laughs> where it's just like these shitty cardboard sets with like, oh, we'll make this futuristic with uh, blinking lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Exactly. It's like, here's a pulsating beam, and, like, someone is holding a box that is made of metal, like, in the future, don't you know? Except for Ewell Brenner's contact lenses, which actually looked, like, terrifying to me, I thought. Speaking of his eyes, I thought it was kind of cool, like, it reminded me a little bit of the Terminator. Like, you have the, uh, you know, basically the idea of Ewell Brenner is this cyborg hunting someone down relentlessly, and it's like this killing machine. 
And it, like when they switch to his vision, it's kind of like this weird pixelated vision. Mm-hmm. It suggests a Terminator to me. And I just like, I don't remember seeing, I don't think I've seen that in where you like switch to a, like a robot vision before. Yeah, this I'm... was the first movie that did that. And, and this was oh, the first oh, okay. time that pixelation had actually been shown on camera. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. No. And I so just, movie sort of, in, there were a couple other things that seemed very similar to Terminator to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of scenes actually. I yeah. I mean, it's a pretty similar theme if you take out the war, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. One could argue that this is a prequel to Terminator that makes a hell of a lot more sense than Skynet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, so thematically, I did think that this movie had like a lot of interesting stuff in it. I was kind of surprised. Surprised there was interesting stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that this movie like had interesting stuff and was just like completely unaware. I mean, obviously, like the the movie, again, similar to Logan's Run and Zardoz, is like very steeped in like post 60s, like hippie hangover, reactionary boomer shit. Right, like the fundamental premise of the movie is like divorced guy goes to theme park so he can sa- have sex with robot hookers, right? Like that that is so kind of post aquarian to me. Sure, um, <laughs> I would say mildly suggestive of that. It's kind of interesting to me. Like I think that there's more like the negative space is interesting in this. It's like the. Um, the when we're talking about how this movie suggests certain themes, I think that even if you've never seen anything else related to this, I think most people go into and see Westworld and be like, okay, does shooting robots who are like basically people like doesn't that beg a moral question? And they don't get into that at all. Yeah, like, no, there's it presents profound moral questions. What's that? But it's implied, right? I mean, I think that's one of yes. the, yeah. But that's what I think that's what you're saying, Raph. Like that's the negative space. Like that's I think yeah. what the movie. It's not. I don't know. Implies the wrong word. I think that's what the movie is pointing to. I think that's mm-hmm. what the movie is pointing to is like a question for you to ask yourself. Right? Sort of similar to the boy and his dog. Like it presents all this horrific shit, and in a way, as if it's supposed to be okay. And then you're supposed to look at yourself and be like, wait, am I okay with that? I guess not really. What's that? What's that Ishiguro novel where they like, and they turn into a movie where they have like, they breed people. Never let me go. Never let me go. Jurassic. (laughs) Well, and this movie and Jurassic Park are basically the same story, right? It's like, People, you know, like the scientists yeah. build a thing that is an abomination against God, and then the that's thing Crichton's, rebels. That's whole career is like yeah. just because science can doesn't mean right. science should. Man yeah. has whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Which it's again, except for Eaters of the Dead, which is my favorite Crichton. It's just this fucked up retelling of Beowulf. It's so interesting to see that that question of like science is hubris gone too far? Question mark. It like. It's so in line with the 90s sort of naivete versus yeah. like here, the 70s, like faux cynicism. It, it's a it's a funny kind of like there's a dissonance in there. And yeah. that's what I wanted to say. Like these, Asher, you're talking about how this like kind of sets or sits in the, the zone of like the hippie hangover. To me, this this movie feels like watch out. The yuppies are coming. Right. Like this is what we're going to build now. Now that we have like runaway 
consumerism and capitalism. Well, exactly. I mean, like, okay, so they go to this world where you basically commodified what the Aquarian vision was, which is like free right. love and yeah. kind of hedonism, right? Sort and it's like these I mean, you could have easily made that message stronger. I think right. using the Wild West makes it a little, a little different. I, I feel like, but, but one of the three worlds is the Roman world, which is exactly yeah. that, right? Yeah. But they don't focus yeah. much on the Roman world. I feel like they focus a lot on the fact that you can kill somebody. Yeah. Like they yeah. this place so that they can actually feel what it feels like to kill somebody. Yeah, right. I mean, these are, these are pretty... Reg- the fact that there is that they're regressive. Like, these are, like, fantasies of taking places in the past. You know, almost, by definition, conservative. And if there's any doubt, like, that whole scene in the beginning, you know, like, they're interviewing people who've just gotten off of their vacations from, from all the West worlds, Delos worlds, and they're like, well, golly gee, I can't wait to tell my luncheon buddies about this. It's like, it's like you know, John and Jane consumer, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, ex- that's exactly right. And that like the hippie movement was something spontaneous and, and like actually organic. And then, and I remember talking to my dad about this because I was like, what was it like when the 60s ended and the 70s showed up? And he was like, imagine when you go to a party and like really horrible, uncool people show up and they try to tell you what's cool about what you're already doing. That's what the entire decade was like. <laughs> uh. he, he was like, it was like suburban squares attempting to do the thing that we were all doing because we felt like doing it and they were just doing it wrong. The movie is about like a playground of the rich, right? Like mm-hmm. they say in the beginning how expensive it is. They say it's $10,000 a day, right? 1000 a day. They said a thousand a day. Yeah, yeah. But how much is that today's dollars? About ten thousand, I think. No, no. Yeah. Oh, so maybe if it's in the future, if they considered inflation, Google it. Thousand dollars today, in the future, would be like ten dollars a day. Don't think seventies so. money. No, you don't think so. No. No, I think I they were trying to make it expensive. Yeah. But again, but it's that it goes back to that thing that you said before, Raph, about like them not being able to consider a world outside of the 70s. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, there's no more oil because of the OPEC, so we had to invent the hover ship. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, so it says here a dollar in 1970 would be 660 today. Okay. So, so not 10 Yeah, it's not like extreme. It's not like this is the super rich or something. Yeah. No, and it's not presented as if it's the super rich, right? It's unlike yeah. the TV show, which again we're not going to do too much comparison to. But the TV show Westworld, I think I was imputing too much from the TV show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think the the TV show Westworld presents the theme park as like a playground of the ultra wealthy, right? It's like two thousand yeah. dollars a day. Yeah, which this does not. So should we break the plot down? I mean, I, I don't really feel like there's a huge need to break it. I feel Damn. like a lot for this movie just doesn't work. Like, isn't worth describing because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow, like, logic. Let's go through it and see what we discover. Yeah, so we're introduced to these two guys on a train, and they're going to the theme park. I guess it, it, the cold open of the movie, or is it a cold open? No, I guess it's after the credits. Is like a fake promotional segment on, like, a news broadcast or something like that, interviewing people who have just left the park, who, as Raph said, are like... Hardcore rubes. I can't wait to get back to my middle management position. Yeah, one of them, I killed seven people. I mean, they were robots. 
You know, well, were they? they were robots. They were robots. I'm, fa- I'm fairly certain. Um, yeah. So, which is so a little get- bit of a ham-fisted way of dealing with that. It's like, yeah, it's just like they sort of like put out the, you know, the moral quandary and then just sort of kick it to the side. Yeah, know? they really, I didn't feel like, they examine it briefly where one of the two guys is like, and you feel okay shooting people? And then he gets into it and he's like, oh yeah, this is normal. And then that's it. You, there's, well, it doesn't. I, I think it's good that it's left out. Like it's left for you to think about as a viewer. Fair enough. I, I guess I just didn't even think that they would expect the viewer to think about it at all. They were just like, eh. <laughs> When when the robot's in the dungeon and she's saying "help me" and he thinks that she's human and then re- realizes she's a robot, don't you feel like that that was the point of that scene? Oh, that's maybe. Interesting. Obviously. Yeah, that's actually that's a pretty solid read, Alan. I I really I was just sort of more concerned with I was like, oh, she's obviously a robot, but I didn't think about. It. I guess I was so out of it at that point from like this movie. These actors are terrible. That's everyone in it is a because yeah. why would they not make it possible for the robots to drink anything? Like, wouldn't that come up? Like, what about the robots in the bar in Westworld? Do they just never order drinks? Yeah, call, call the continuity director, Sam. He's long dead. Okay, I'll, I'll wait into this. Sam, there's different models. So you got to imagine some model. Maybe the torture. Well, now you're done. doing what, I'm, what I do that you guys hate. No, I'm saying it doesn't make sense. It's like they just manufactured a reason for her to blow up to make. Anyway, fine, you guys. Yeah. So I would say, to her, I would say, uh, con- contrary to what Alan's saying, is that they don't let this moral question inform any of the characters' actions, except for a couple isolated instances, like when he's like when he goes to the dungeon, he's like, "I want to help you," and then it's like, "Oh, uh, you know, you're a robot. Like, you're a robot." Okay, and then like when he's going to bed with the hooker. And she's like, he's like, I've never done this. And he wants to say with a robot, but he doesn't. I get what they're, I get they're trying to get at something here, but they don't really play it out very much, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, so, like the, I like the subtlety of it. Maybe you guys just don't like subtle things. No, I actually like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I only watch Mr. Bean. There weren't even any boobs in this movie. I was expecting some. Yeah, so, I mean, to to push on with the plot, basically these two guys go to the park. One of them's been there before, and the other one is, like, this newly divorced mustachioed schmuck who's, like, trying to get his groove back. They, like, go to the bar, they drink, they murder a robot, they have sex with prostitutes. It's... Nothing about it is examined or interesting to me, at least. Again, I, I thought that what was interesting in there was like sci-fi in the golden age relied on the idea of a frontier, right? Like all of sci-fi was about imperialism. And it was so interesting to me that that in going forward, they like reverse engineered this former frontier because we're not going to go to the stars. So where are we going to go now that we've conquered the whole surface of the earth? Well, I guess we're just going to have to go back to like frontier classic. That mm-hmm. seemed like, again, an unexamined and totally unrealized thing. But uh, I thought it was like a kind of a funny. I mean, you sort of like, I mean, you sort of see these characters who, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I kind of uh, read too much into their characters, but it's like you see these characters who are probably living these they feel like they're living these boring lives, right? And then they're going to this this place and like living out fantasies, right? Yeah. And you can 
see like in their face, oh my God, I just killed someone or feel like I killed someone. Like I feel like a real man. I think some of this stuff is unexamined for that reason. Like you're supposed to be seeing it through the eyes of these people who are thinking. Exactly. It's a, right. So it's supposed to be, it's, I feel like the movie's supposed to be kind of like pulling the rug out from under you. Like it's like you're supposed to be, you know, relating to these characters and their play. And then at the end, when they, when you see the robot, you know, you think as a real person and then you realize it's a robot. Like, I feel like that's sort of the idea. Maybe it didn't work that well. I think it's interesting. Like, what is the the fixation on um, on the Wild West? Like, that's to me, that's kind of been an interesting question. Is like, why the Wild West? And then you can add to that, like, this what this brings up is like, why the Wild West in this science fiction future? And I mean, like, I think that very roughly um, the American fixation with the frontier, with the Wild West, has to do with like this imagined you know, not utopian past, but like an imagined kind of like idealized past that speaks to, you know, the values that we want to inculcate this like rugged individualism and, you know, uh, you know, not relying on anyone else, going out and making your own life, uh, you know, you know, getting by on your, just on your wits and on your character and everything like that, like showing somehow this is supposed to create your true self and everything that we've sort of done after that um, has been, like degraded it's like you know we've we've become like too decadent and soft and you know we we see ourselves as fundamentally not that it's like we are this tough group of people and what that's wrapped up in is the fact that america what it is is a settler colonial state and like that's just just putting a name to what the wild west fantasy is (laughs) proper you know widespread propaganda effort this myth making to cover uh what was essentially a genocide of of millions appropriation of land and that's that's what the cover was and it's this incredibly racist white supremacist enterprise i mean i don't think there's any two ways about that it's interesting to me though that the imagination it takes to situate the wild west fantasy in the future and i'm just not sure what that posits does it mean that like in the future we'll still be looking back to this this imagined past like it will will be forever, you know, receding away from this fantasy world. But now we finally have the power to make it real again. Like, what is what are the implications there? I don't know. I mean, yeah, this movie suggests some really strong themes to me that I just that they don't really support. I th- I thought again, it was like a perfect parallelism with the sort of imperial mission of the golden age of sci-fi, right? So it's like yeah, it's, I don't. I don't see a lot of that imperial or the colonial stuff that you guys are talking about. Like, yeah, obviously that's part of the, you know, manifest destiny and the truth of the West, but the myth of it is more about what you're talking about, Raph, the rugged individualism, I think like that's what's being lionized here or, or being made into a fantasy. And I think we still think of it that way a lot. It's an Uh, idealization. It's, it's, it's myth making, but it's come from the same cloth. It, it arises out of those, the what actually happened, which was a sustained genocide. Yeah, yeah, and, no doubt. I'm just saying, I don't know if, like, the this sci-fi story is really about colonialism. Like, maybe that's, a an, like, a parallel of the idea that you can create, you know, independent life and thought or, or the facsimile of it. But... Um, like there's nothing in here about like taking other cultures resources, right? It's like 
it's more about slavery than about colonialism i think anyway I, well, I, I think Maybe I mean fine point to, to. <laughs> those two things are kissing cousins, right? Yeah. But but it does but, talk about slavery, right? I mean, like yeah, totally. Their robots are slaves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it totally I mean, talks about can slavery. Called, can they really be called anything else? Are we meant to believe that they're not slaves in any meaningful way? Well, and, and by the way, in the same way that Westworld hints at the the show, this question of whether the robots are conscious, whether or not they feel really feel real pain and they deserve for us to care about how they, you know, what we're doing to them. I think the movie hints that in the same way. Mm-hmm. More, I think more subtly than the show does. But so, so I think there is a question of whether or not slavery is happening, really happening, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying I don't, I don't quite see the manifest destiny part of the message of this movie, like the colonialism part. It's maybe a similar reason to come to the to the conclusion. But anyway, it's a side text. Well, I agree with you, Sam. In that, yeah, it's not directly part of the sort of story that it's necessarily telling. I think the interesting thing about it is basically that like all sci-fi stories to some extent require the idea of the rugged individual. Usually we see that idea, not all stories in sci-fi, but like, I think that that was the trope up until the sort of new wave. And, and I think that here it's funny that they're using this backward looking device in a futuristic context when usually we get that through the exploration outward and I think the, the other thing about it that kind of has something to do with, with uh, the individual, the, the sort of honoring of the rugged individual, is the person creating another being from scratch. And again, I don't think yeah. this movie really looks into that very deeply because we're not meant to believe that the robots in this Westworld are particularly intelligent. Well, I mean, Yul Brenner definitely tries to murder the last people that killed him, right? That's true. Okay, fair enough. But but there's not really like again as an audience member, we don't we're not given any empathy with Yul Brenner particularly, right? right. He's menacing and terrifying. Um, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. so I guess maybe I was again imputing the show, but like you know, there was a character on the show who's exactly this, the same character as Yul Brenner, right? He has been killed over and over again. And he has, oh, some, Teddy, yeah. has some mem like PTSD or some some. Right small amount of memory of all those killings right and that's why he's killing right right yeah in the movie i i i think there's a question yeah. of whether that's happening i i don't know maybe i'm just imputing the show too much yeah it's or hard I, to know i i had the same sense alan it's hard to know yeah. how much of that comes from having watched the show what happens but I, to I you when you die when you're like physically indistinguishable in some ways you know you're you you are indistinguishable from uh from a human being, but you die over and over again. It's, it's kind of profound. I mean, it's, it's, this movie is like, kind of like, it's a bunch of weird contradictions. Cause for us, it's the past. It's the seventies. Imagining the yeah. future, whatever year that is, that's imagining the past, the wild west. So <laughs> it's, it's like, there's so many layers to unpack here. It's really, it is kind of interesting. Even if I don't think the movie is that fantastic. And by the way, I mean, the show, when you said rap, like the show was right. Right, like I mean, in that in the in their future, we are still mythologizing the Wild West, right? Mm -hmm. Like, show got that exactly right. 
Yeah. I mean, the movie got that exactly right. Sorry. Well, sort of. Yeah, the movie yeah. did. No, you're totally right. In the Depending future, we're how still... Far in the future, the I think even part. in the show, they have like a, um, like a Tokugawa shogunate world, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And I think they even say that it's like to appeal to mm-hmm. rich Japanese people, which is kind of, a, because it's like a very similar thing. It's like, you know, uh, Tokugawa is like, you know, uh, 17th, 18th uh, to the 19th century. And it's this mythologized past. And yeah, I mean, like it, it works, it works in, within the national myth. I think the medieval fantasy and the Roman fantasy are interesting here, but they're kind of like, they don't really resonate in the same way. You know, it's like, we can't really, you can't really make that much of them. They're more just like, they're silly, you know? That's so interesting. I thought that the medieval or the Roman fantasy was absolutely 100% on the nose of the seventies. And, and again, like that, that same hippie hangover thing. Cause like when they show the clips of the Roman thing, it's just like, these people are just fucking and sucking and then like yeah. watching people murder each other. I, I, I was like, they, they definitely wouldn't do that today. I think that like people who care about Rome today are like, sadly, mostly fucking neo-Nazis or <laughs> extreme history nerds. Or both. Uh, uh, I think that it's hard. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't give the neo-Nazis any, any charitable benefit of the doubt calling them history nerds. I don't think they know what they're talking about. I mean, every year history fetishes, we continue along the fucking trajectory of reenacting the end of Rome. It's like pretty mind blowing, right? Um, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. We're just way worse at it. uh, There's a lot of parallels. I mean, the the (laughs) parallel between, between like nine 11 and the sacking of Rome by the Visigoths is like pretty mind blowing to me in that, you know, the Visigoths were federati of the empire who then recognized they weren't getting paid the way that they once had been. And they were like, Oh, that must mean that the central command is fucking weak. Let's go and test how weak they are. Um, Make parallels with the fall of Rome and of any large, empire that's been around for a while right that's true yeah yeah and we got nothing on rome as far as empires go we are outstripping rome big time in terms of empire well Um, maybe in terms of numbers of people but not in terms of geographical footprint yeah well Well, depends how you look well um, if if you think about military you know presence then anyway we're way afield now yeah i think that in terms you could i mean just like in terms of like worldwide cultural hegemony and influence and power. Yeah. I don't think there's, I, I sure, but that's, I mean, I guess that's sort of similar. Yeah. I don't think of those as really comparable imperialisms. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like two separated by 2000 years of history. Yeah. You know, we still putatively have a Republic. I don't know. There's, there's some interesting analogies, but it's not, you know, it's, it's still history. It's not airtight. But which one would you guys go to if you had a choice between Westworld, Medieval World, and Roman World? Westworld. Yeah? Yeah. I think if the toilet worked, I'd go to Medieval World, I think. I would go to Rome World. I think that'd be fun. I'd rather go to Greek World. If they had Renaissance Europe, I mean, Renaissance Rome World, I would go there. Like, Medieval World is just go and hang out in the castle, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> you could do that now and diddle, <laughs> diddle the wenches yeah, you could do that now outside the meadowlands <laughs> evil times to basically push on with the plot essentially the robots become 
whether or not sentient, they become violent and vengeful. Right. And Ewell Brenner, the, the gunslinger, basically tries to take revenge on our protagonist, divorced guy, and James Brolin. Ewell Brenner successfully murders James Brolin. It's Josh Brolin. No, nope. Josh Brolin is his son. So by the way, I mean, I think, again, it's not clear what the robots are actually doing, right? Like, are they just malfunctioning or are they yeah, actually exactly. taking revenge? It's right? implied that it's spreading across the park. It's a virus. Do yeah. computer viruses known to science at this point, this movie was made? Or was uh, it just positive? Yeah, I'm not sure you would have the term virus until you had networks. They, they do say it's a virus. I forgot about that. So oh, they that do say that. Oh. They say it's a virus. That there's no like sentience that they're basically like this is not planned. They're just malfunctioning and killing everybody. And then I and then I put too much meaning on the movie. <laughs> well, but there was a really interesting thing that one of the scientists said, which I put in my notes. Which when they're asking him how to fix the computers, and also the 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 system successfully murders all of the scientists by locking them in a room that's oxygen free, and they all suffocate which I thought was like kind of wild because it does imply some kind of sentience or some kind of malice. But one of the scientists says before they die, he says, these computers were designed by computers. Yeah. yeah. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was were designed by other machines. And in some cases we don't know how they were like, that's, you know, that's a people real talk thing. About that a lot now, mm-hmm. but like at the time, I don't think that was on many people's minds, the idea that like, that could happen, right? Yeah, that's an incredibly forward-thinking, yeah. I, I think, just if I turn can, of phrase. If I can backtrack for a moment, it looks like their use of virus was also fairly forward-looking. Um, John von Neumann talks about it in 1966, but doesn't use the word virus. Oh, von Neumann. Wikipedia lists one of the first... M- uh, references to this idea of a computer virus as Westworld. Huh. Wow. wow. Yeah. But, yeah, this so the, 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 the idea... What, Alan? This movie's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, Michael Crichton had a doctoral degree, didn't he? Or did he drop out of med school to, like, go to Hollywood and write books? What difference does it make? Don't judge. Yo, I wouldn't <laughs> judge. Are you kidding? Please. Um... He has glasses, right? I don't know. (laughs) Ask Pol Pot. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. That that made me kind of want to talk to you about it because the idea, or Alan, about this, because the idea of machines designing machines is so futuristic and is so something that is on our mind now. And it's it's funny because it relates back to this thing that we were discussing before we started taping of the information that... Google sort of has that's beyond human comprehension, right? Like, like when you have this much yeah. data in your system, like what kind of patterns would emerge to a higher level intelligence from looking at all of these things? Or even a lower level intelligence wouldn't have sure. to be smarter, right? Just it would just a lot more data. Fair enough. But I mean, I guess, yeah. And I remember when Facebook first came out, we all used to talk about this. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this conversation of like, 
what it would look like if you could actually see the nodes of these friend networks and like, oh, this group of people all know one another. And then they connected to that group of people via these two people. And now this is how they've all like gotten into contact with one another and what that sort of meaning means. And again, I don't know, there's something about the idea of what a machine that was designed by other machines how it would interact with information in a way that would be completely incomprehensible to us. And I was sort of interested to know, Alan, first your perspective on this and Sam, yours as well. You always ask these questions. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. But Alan, you make code. No, 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 no. I'm saying I don't understand the question. <laughs> well, wait was there a question i didn't actually hear the question yeah he said i wanted to know what you thought about his rambling i want to know what you guys think an intelligence that is designed by another machine intelligence looks like like what are the concerns oh. that type of i you can't really call it an organism so that type of intelligence that type Looks of like being looks like an orangutan's anus <laughs> that's great it smells like one too like yeah. if you know again since seeing as how you guys both i mean yes alan i know you're a coder but you work in machine intelligence you work in machine learning to some degree yeah. what? and i work with machines and have intelligence debatable mm. <laughs> okay i haven't thought too much about like the idea of a machine that was designed by another machine and I'm not sure that many people have specifically thought about that. But the things that happen in machine learning are somewhat similar to that in a way. So the idea of machine learning, right, is that you feed in data to some algorithm and the algorithm essentially finds patterns on its own. Like you give it rules about how to find patterns, um, but it finds patterns on its own. One of the ways this happens is like you have a bunch of data with what are called labels, right? So like it could be where I work, it's whether or not somebody bought something, right? The classic so, example is like handwritten characters. Yeah, that's another one. You know, so you have profiles of people and what they've done and then whether or not they bought something. And then you can put this all into an algorithm that will look for patterns and it will over time learn how to minimize it, it, the error. So it finds patterns and then it tries to use these patterns to predict whether someone's going to buy something or not. But you know whether or not someone actually bought something, right? So there's an error between like its prediction and the actual, right? Right. And it runs through many, many iterations, uh, trying different weightings of like different, what are called features in the data. And then until like it minimizes the error between the prediction and the actual basically a machine training itself and what you and, end up with yeah. in the end and then you know a lot of time if you have a lot of data you use what are called like deep neural networks that's what deep learning is and you have millions of nodes that are connected to each other in this deep neural network with weights uh different weights pulling in millions of features about the data and outputting a prediction right and it's impossible to look at, and that thing was trained by basically minimizing this error through like millions of iterations. And it's impossible to look at that thing. You gave it the rules about how to, minim about how to 
do that iteration. But then the thing that you end up with, it's impossible to look at that thing and to really understand what it's doing. There are ways of kind of trying to approximate what it's doing, like trying to Visualize get a, an estimate of what it's doing. Like, because this is a problem now, right? People talk about it a lot. We train these models and then we don't know what are they're doing. So, so people are trying to solve this problem by saying, okay, let's, let's now try to fit simpler models to this model in various circumstances so we can try to explain what this model is doing. Then these, you can look at these simple models and say, okay, I see what it's doing here. I see what it's doing there. But like the model as a whole, it's very hard. And it's basically impossible to kind of give a summary of what it's doing. What it's doing is the sum of these millions and millions yeah. of ways that are connecting all these nodes. I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, to some extent, I don't know. I guess it answers my question of like, okay, so we already have some machines that are functioning on levels that are incomprehensible, right? We give them parameters and they give us a return. But it's I mean, hard it sort of had that already before there even was machine learning, right? Because we have code bases that are so large that no individual human understands them. So that's not a computer generating something that only a computer yeah. understand. That's humans generating something only a computer can understand. I'm just getting close to what you're talking about. But right. I just wanted to jump in and say, like, uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, we've had some conversations on the show about consciousness and, like, what is the definition of consciousness and, and the self. And we were talking about, I just re-listened to the, uh, Dark Star episode, we talked about this in the context of the bomb in that movie. Um, and I've been thinking recently about how do we know, like, say we came to some definition of what consciousness was, right, that we could apply in theory. A neural network is, is an example of a thing to which we cannot apply such an algorithm. Like, we have no way to determine what is happening inside a neural network like okay so just to be clear i'm not suggesting that i think the software that determines if a given facebook user is going to buy pants or not is conscious i'm saying we have no actionable way to determine if it is conscious or not because we can't understand its thought process we can't interrogate the the algorithm it's using because it's opaque to us right, right. so in some sense, like Alan said, like, yeah, it is exactly a, co a program trained by a program. It's trained by itself. Like we are involved in that process, but not in the way that I'm involved when I write a web app, right? Where I right. write all the logic, like, no, 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 nobody gets the logic. No, because it's impossible to get in the same way that it's impossible to understand or very complicated to understand, uh, like how, our brains work how you know even something so simple as like how do i see a tree versus you know a street lamp how do i tell the difference like what's happening in my brain that that knows that piece of information who knows we don't have a good way of determining that stuff so we're already there with computers to the point where we can't know how they know i think i just well can't know so i I think I disagree that we we can't know if a if a huge neural network is conscious. Well, how would you know? So, so if you have some definition of consciousness, mm -hmm. then I think you can you can look at the structure of the neural network. 
So if it's, for example, like a feed forward neural network where the, none of the weights are like, you don't have any, um, any weights that connect back to earlier nodes. Yeah. Yeah. I th I, okay. So I think you're kind of ducking the question there because any network like that, I think it's very unlikely it has achieved consciousness. So, so you're saying you're making a structural argument about that kind of code, which can't. So, and I agree with you. It's unlikely that such a piece of software achieves consciousness. But in any case, it doesn't have anything to do with how you would tell. Like, yeah, logically, it seems unlikely. But can you disprove that it's conscious? Like, I don't even see how you would begin that discussion. Right. I mean, if your definition of consciousness includes, like, that's what integrated information theory okay. posits, that, that consciousness requires certain structure, structural properties of the thing that is conscious. So what you're saying is, like, that that is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't dug into that as deeply as you, as you have, but the, the stuff that I read that you pointed us at the last time we were having this discussion was unconvincing to me, basically. So, But I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say that I... Like, okay. kind of but you're basically saying that a definition of consciousness doesn't include structure, doesn't necessitate a certain structure. Because if it does, then you can, then you can look at the structure of something. Yeah, well, and because I don't... Maybe I have not looked at the logic deeply enough, but I, I find it frankly, really arrogant to say that we can make some structural argument, that we can say, like, I understand what gives rise to consciousness, and these are the rules, like, because I don't, how do I even know, like, maybe that definition of consciousness is really just human consciousness, right? Like, how do I know that an inert object, just a rock, doesn't have a consciousness which completely transcends my ability to measure it so thoroughly that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, You're talking about panpsychism, baby. <laughs> okay. I don't know that term. I'm not suggesting rocks are conscious. I'm saying I don't know any way to show they're not. Like, the fundamental property of consciousness is that there is something that it's like to be that thing. Like experience. Yes. Okay. Like, so uh, there you go. Experience. You've already, like... So are you saying it's impossible for something which has no experience to be conscious? I don't something see how that follows. If it, has a, if it has a working brain, it's conscious. <laughs> Sorry, no, say that again. If it has a working brain, it's conscious. But how do you and define it, working brain? I don't know. If it's had less than 30 beers, it's conscious. It's, it's an organ. It's a brain. No, and it's, I'm, I'm fine with that definition. If we... Okay, but then that's maybe that is begging the question, right? Yeah, I disagree with that if, completely. Also, if you find something else that is analogous to that, then I guess we'll have to revisit it. But has that happened? Yeah, yet? I mean, like, okay, so like the counterexample I always think go back to is slime mold, right? Which has memories, has has problem solving abilities, and as far Doesn't as we can tell, has zero. No oh, yeah, definitely, it remembers the solutions to problems. Well, no, no but now we're going in a circle. Okay. Now you're positing that consciousness, however it's defined, must resemble ours. Which but we're I using the word. We're using the word, aren't we? Consciousness? Yeah. We're using a word that is uh, defined more or less broadly by our experience of consciousness. Yeah, that's basically no my argument, is that like whatever meaningful definition we come up with must necessarily be solipsistic. Like how yeah. could it possibly include other kinds of consciousness? And if it doesn't, how do we know that we're not ignoring them? Only by metaphor and analogy. It's a language problem. Yeah. Sam, no, I'm exactly. glad we agree. Exactly. I'm glad right. we agree. 
<laughs> but that's that's what I keep coming back to is it's a language problem. Like we don't share a common language with the neural network. That's why we can't reason about or that's why I don't feel comfortable reasoning about its consciousness or lack thereof because I have no way to ask it. The only way I would know for sure is to say, do you believe you are conscious? And then if it responds and I believe its response, then yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to take that on faith. I don't believe that there's any objective definition that's meaningful or any objective criteria that's useful. What does it even mean to be objective in this, con in this context? Yeah, I, right, I exactly. tend to agree with Sam on this one. Shockingly. I mean, so I believe that you can, you, can, you can define consciousness in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all free to do that. Yep. We can define consciousness in a certain way. Sure. And then we can go about trying to determine if something is conscious. The search for consciousness is already solipsistic. And I think I'm okay with that. That's fair. Like, we just have a thing that's going on in our brains, and we want to know if other things have it. Yeah. And that's the thing that we're concerned with. So should okay. we throw it to endorsements? Oh, that's it? I, I just, I wanted to talk about how ridiculous the end of the movie is. Well, I mean, the end of the movie, sure. Let's talk about it, right? I mean, dude, divorced guy with a mustache kills Ewell Brenner, which, like, we haven't even talked about Ewell Brenner's fuck vibes in this movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> dude is oh, yeah? straight up fucking piercing like his posture his bald head and then they put on those like crazy like reflective contact lenses like i'm, I'm not hot for this dude but he just well, has like intensity it's like watching ina garden make a profiterole um so the acid on the face is how he gets you know doesn't stop him but slows him down. yeah there's like a pretty he solid jump on the, face, the guy right. who dies and gives him the like, here's what you have to do. And then he's like, oh, but I can survive. And then apparently draws no plan from that experience. And then magically knows where the hole in the ground that he's supposed to crawl into is. That was really weird. The whole last 20 minutes of the movie don't make any sense. I, I mean. Yeah. He just finds that hole. In the, like he knows exactly where it is somehow. Yeah. Having never really? been to Roman world before. Yeah. He knows exactly well where it is and that it exists. And Maybe that there are tunnels under there. Did you think dun, about that? Dun, Maybe dun, 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 dun. Yeah, AJ Abrams, you cracked the fucking case. Yeah. Have you guys watched the last season? No. No. I didn't cool. watch the second season either. Cool. The second season sucked. Yeah. I'm really disappointed. The, so I mean, the yeah. first season had, it just was a whole bunch of threads that were never going to lead to anything. Yes, Watch yes. it again. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Every, Asher, everyone knows that you know that J.J. Abrams doesn't know anything. Thank you. <laughs> it really gives me comfort when I'm eating beans out of a can in my <laughs> cold apartment in May watching snow come down during week nine, year zero of this pandemic nightmare. Like, you know who knows something is me. People seem to think that J.J. Abrams is like a genius. Mm -hmm. Like, do, do you, you guys like feel like people say that i feel that way about elon musk yeah it's it, exactly thank you sam well, that you is the feel like elon musk is a genius no i feel no, like everyone thinks he's a genius yeah yeah he, it's funny he has like a lot of really weird zealots on his side i do not find them pleasant pleasant to think about or look at i kind of think he's a genius right at this what? is another thing we can argue about let's do it let's go go down yeah. At what, at what? Naming your kid after a password? Yeah, right. Wait, what? Alan, I didn't say he's not smart. On his own. Like, without yeah. really much, like, 
I don't know. I mean, like, on his own. That he does. Just, he's like an information sponge. He like gets really smart people around him. That's and yeah. he works at like a really high clip, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm like, sure that he does amazing things. Like three companies at the same time. I guess I just don't believe in, in genius anymore. Like, I just think that, that the the sort of great man idea is a complete myth and a total fraud, uh, a fallacy. Here, here. I he think might it, be smart, but he probably is more of a P.T. Barnum type is how I is how I read him. I might not understand what he does. <laughs> no, I think, every, I think, I think you can read me accurately. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think he's a P.T. Barnum type? I think what? he's a salesman. I think more, he's a huckster. More sizzle than steak. I think he's that as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think that it's mutually exclusive. No, you're no, right. And he's, he's also a great uh, leader of, of uh, you know, business happening, I think. Of people going back to work during a fucking pandemic. <laughs> no, Alan's right. You. Like, he knows how to find smart people. That's a great skill. But I think that that he's also not Tony like, Stark. That's my point. That's all. Agreed. I think that big part of what he did was he found really smart people and like was an information sponge and like learned a lot. Like he basically taught himself a lot about like the space industry just by getting like the smartest people around him and learning. I think it's it's hardly our fault too. Like Sam said, Tony Stark. I mean, we really want a billionaire superhero that just accords so well with everything that we're, you know, taught to believe that we hear to be true. But it doesn't exist. Yeah, where is that person now? Where the so fuck we, is? Where is elevate. Mike? Save the world, Bloomberg, right fucking now? When people are like, you know, digging mass graves on Hard Island for like the tens of thousands of New Yorkers well, who are dead. Hard Island is a mass grave. <laughs> That's true. Bigger mass graves. Casey I got an mass endorsement. Graves. I got an endorsement. Should we throw it to endorsements? I feel like I'm going a little dark here. Yeah. It's also din din time. Din din time, like I'm a dog. Yeah, yeah. Alan, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you guys didn't uh, didn't like shoot me down as hard as I thought you would. About about what? Saying Elon Musk was a genius. Oh well, I think you're wrong. But he's a smart guy. Yeah. I just That's I just no longer really what believe in genius. Said. I guess. He's definitely a schmuck. I mean, that's indisputable. It's like, I'm sure he's a very smart person. I'm sure he is really capable of getting many smart people together in a room. And, and there is something to be said for someone who can actualize massive projects. But like, I just think that we elevate people too, too high. I, I just, I don't know. I feel so crushed by all this. Yeah. For me, the bigger issue is like, we always leave out the part of the story where he has the means to do all these things because he made a shit ton of money on like PayPal Boom. or whatever the fuck Thank it was. Thank you, Sam. I and like, like was a diamond mine owner in apartheid South Africa. And yeah, he only made money on PayPal because he had money from a diamond mine that his family did. It's like, yeah, okay. So if you start with a bunch of money and you're really smart, you can do all these great things. That's awesome. Good job, Elon Musk. When are we going to do something for the people who don't have all that money and aren't? Yeah, like Alan, remember when we were talking about like, oh yeah, we should have a social network that pings all existing social networks and puts your feeds in real time. Like, if we were all millionaires to begin with, we could hire a bunch of peons to build that tomorrow and and then be like, oh, here we go. Let's do an advertising campaign. Yeah. I think the only thing that separates them from us is is just money. 
I mean, it's not even like I don't think it's a problem that his family had money. No, that's, that's a thing. Great. Families sometimes have money. I just. It's not that I think Elon Musk is garbage. It's that the myth of Elon Musk implies that people that don't have those means is that they are. Yeah, garbage. that they're less than. Exactly. Thank you, Sam. All right. Should we throw it to endorsements? Uh, <laughs> Alan, what do you got? This is a really lame endorsement, I think. But I was Elon just listening Musk. to the uh, to Rosalia, <laughs> woman who won a Grammy for, like best Latin album. But her last album, El Mar Quer. I don't know how to pronounce this. Elmar Kerr is like amazing. It's like this weird mix of flamenco and like Andalusian music and like Arabian music. It's very good. And it's like produced cool. in a sort of modern way, but not in like an annoying way. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I didn't realize like because she has guested on a lot of songs that are like huge. Um, and those are more like hip hop songs a lot of the time. Her albums are totally different. Hmm. Raph, what do you got? I also got an album. Um, the Jay Dilla 2018 posthumous release, Rough Draft. I've listened to that a lot lately. It's very good. Hell yeah. Jay Dilla, classic. Donuts and The Shining. Fucking A. Sam, what do you... Uh... Not a whole lot. Um, okay, I got a thing. Check out Online Town. <laughs> What's Online Town? You laugh, but it's actually pretty cool. I think you can actually just go to online.town. No, theonline.town. Yeah. The Online Town. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty neat. I've been thinking a lot at school lately about how we're going to maintain human culture in the face of losing co-location. Uh, and so this is a cool attempt at uh, how to still have normal feeling human interactions, even though we're not allowed to get within six feet of each other. <laughs> nice. So check it out. I'm going to endorse uh, a game that you can play online called horse paste. We all played it. It's a word game. You should play it with your friends. It's super fun. Um, yeah, super easy. To cheat. Yeah, it is easy do to that. cheat, but we definitely didn't do that. So that was cool. Or at least I didn't. I think, I think that game is called code names. Oh, it's called code yeah, names. It All right. It's on horsepaste.com. Wait, am I wrong? I don't know. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to horsepaste.com paste like the thing that you used to put in your mouth. Cause it was delicious. <laughs> the you thing did. that you gets horses to stick together um yeah awesome thanks so much for tuning in guys you can follow us on social media i am at asher lag at highly affiligent at underscore perkwinos same as that case of piles damn it you can follow the show <laughs> at robot house pod spelled h-a-u-s until next time guys thanks so much for tuning in bye Bye. Bye.